Hello and welcome to the CEO Blind Spot Show, where leaders reveal their blind spots and best practices. I'm your host, Birgit Camps, and today's guest is Larry Hartman, CEO of ZRG Partners, which is one of the fastest growing mid-sized global executive search firms in the world. Welcome to the show, Larry. Thanks, Birgit. It's great to be on the show. Appreciate you taking time. Yeah. And of course, I wonder if you're branded as the guy who grows companies fast, because (laughs) prior to this, you started a company and grew it to an Inc. 500 fastest growing company before you sold it to American Express, and you're a board member of several companies. You also are involved in nonprofits, but you're also known as the data guy. And and that was one of the things I was very interested in and wondered how much of your success do you think depends on, I guess you tend to look at data. Can you help us understand why you think you were successful? Yeah. I mean, yeah. So my first business was in the lending space and, and we were lending money to doctors and hospitals for buying capital equipment. And in that business, we built some kind of extensive credit scoring modeling that looked at a bunch of information to make very fast credit decisions. And it was part of the catalyst of growing that company, which we ended up you know, getting the couple hundred million in sales and American Express bought it for a very nice premium because we had some really, I think, ahead of its time kind of credit scoring modeling that was data driven. And, and as I went in my second business and, and you know left American Express and started ZRG a few years later, I looked at human capital and saw that it it was a very old-fashioned business. People made hiring decisions in ways that were, you know, not very evolved. It was interviews and opinions, and you know, not much in the way of objective data. And so, my passion was how do we bring insight to the process of making decisions? And so, as ZRG, what we built is kind of an engine that looks at data that we gather through a process to help companies come to an informed decision. So, it's been a theme through my two businesses: just mm-hmm. you know, how do you use data to make decisions? And in human capital, now it's been a great driver, but I am passionate about information. I mean, in terms of just in a personal style way. Yeah. Well, and your current, I think you call it Z platform that it says it speeds up the overall process of landing the best candidates arriving at the onboarding step 30% faster than the typical search process. Is that something that you keep tweaking over time or is that just a pretty consistent number? No, no, we keep investing into the technology of how we help our clients get to making decisions quicker. I mean, I think what we find, and we do executive level search with CEO, CFO, board, kind of of roles at, at top of the house. And searches can take four, five, six months. And a lot of the reasons they take time is because of the process, because of the insights that clients gain over six months. And so what we've tried to do is speed that process up and bring that to them in 30 days where they see all the insights around a project, not just around a candidate, but around if you're hiring a CFO in Nebraska for an industrial company, well, we'll give you insights around the market, around the comp of the whole industry, around the skill trade-offs you have to make. And those things tend to be the things that slow down a company hiring. They look for a unicorn, a perfect hire, when in reality, every hiring decision is a trade-off. And so mm. it's kind of helping companies quantify trade-offs, which then you make a decision quicker. But also when you hire someone, you know how to onboard them based on those gaps or weaknesses that you might have to cover, if that makes sense. Well, and I can see that that's very useful when you're 
a company like yours, because you also do business in Europe and Asia Pacific. And I'm sure there's a lot of cultural aspects that come into play in the decision-making process there as well. There is. And there's also this inconsistency of hiring. You know, we work with a lot of global multinational companies that they may be US-based or European-based. And, and you know, when you hire in Brazil or you hire in Dubai or you hire in, in Hong Kong, there's different practices. But if you have some consistency around how you evaluate and how you you think about hiring, I think it, it helps bring together hiring teams around the world to do it the same way. And so we've seen certainly on a global scale, it just adds, I think, some consistency to how decisions are made for organizations, where if it's if you, if you leave it up to each country, there's so much nuance that w- what ends up happening can be very, very far off of what maybe the parent company's goals might be. Mm. Well, sounds like one of your best practices is also seeing many different data points and how that all comes together. And so then I'm, of course, curious, how do you use it yourself in growing your company and your own hiring of people? And have you ever struggled as a leader with something? Yeah, and we certainly use our process internally as we hire. And, and, you know, we're right now about 350 people globally. So there's lots of constant hiring and growing that, that we have going on. We use it in acquisitions. You know, we've bought five businesses in the last 15 months. And so we'll use it to analyze in the same way. So it's a, it's a core to that. Time, I think it's just experience and just going through mistakes, you learn how to avoid mistakes. And if you can figure out you know, what went wrong, you can fix it by measuring it better next time. And I think what we've you know, been able to do is just try to learn from mistakes to look at what could have been identified, what could have been quantified to improve it as you go forward. So it's absolutely a work in process. Yeah. Do you have a, a story or an example of a moment where you were like, oh, that was a blind spot? Yeah, I'd say on the leadership side, I mean, I think, you know, a couple learnings and, and early on in my first business, I think I was a, a young leader. I mean, we ended up at a college starting my first business. We took it public when I was 33. I was doing a roadshow at a pretty young age and manage people two times my age. And, and I think it, it's one, it's getting, it's tricky to get the respect when you're a young leader of people that have you know 20 or 30 years of experience, but you have to do that. But one of the things that was passed on to me from other leaders was that I early on tried to treat everybody the same and everybody fairly. And I said, you know, by doing that, you're not serving the company right because you can't treat everybody the same. There are people that have different needs. There's people that are, you know, maybe bigger billers. You have to treat differently than an average biller. You, you have to make accommodations. And so it was actually kind of a telling moment of a, a learning or a blind spot to say that you know, as a leader, it's always good to be fair and equitable. But in reality, you can't treat everybody the same. And you've got to look at everybody individually, what makes them tick, what you have to do to get them on the team, what you have to do to retain them. And that stuck with me as, as in terms of a learning that's, I think, served me well through through the years since I think kind of opening my eyes to think differently about parity and, and treatment of people. Wow, what a valuable lesson. And am I understanding it correctly? That then you had a mentor who told you that? No, it was actually one of our one of the partners I hired that I was managing who just said, you know, you're, you're mm. connecting with certain people that you should because you're treating them all the same. And and mm. you're known as someone who's very fair, but that's also a detriment. You can't oh, is this really good feedback that I took to heart and thought about? And since then I think I mean you want to certainly treat everybody fair, but there's different standards or different approaches you have for different people. And I think it's led me to really understand and each person's individual motivation, their history. I mean, I yeah. think every history kind of determines their view of life and mm-hmm. where they are in their stage of life and how to get the most out of people is really understanding and meeting them where they are. And so that, that I think has been a valuable, I think, learning that took me some time to figure out. 
Well, priceless feedback, especially right now, right? And a lot of people have gone through crisis and are reevaluating their life and what they want to do. And here you are acquiring companies. So do you have a tip or two or regarding how to interact with crisis? Yeah. I mean, I think having been around, you get the benefit of experience and having been through a bunch of crises, right? I mean, yeah. 2001, the dot-com, 08, the pandemic. And so I think what, what, what ends up happening after you've been through a few things is you know the good times don't last. And so I'd say for us, the leadership team, we always have a what if plan. We have an annual plan and we have what are we going to do with the downturn? And it's what cuts would we make? What expenses would we cut? And every quarter we look at the playbook. And so I, I go back to the pandemic. You know, we were in a business that was growing 70% the year before we hit the pandemic. And it was a scary time. I mean, nobody knew if anybody would ever hire it, let mm-hmm. alone interview people. You couldn't, it, how long would this last? And, and some of our, our larger competitors who were public laid off 15, 20% of their workforce within 45 days. And for us, we had a game plan, which was sit tight. We also had capital because we brought on private equity that we could sit it out. And it ended mm-hmm. up, our playbook was play offense. We ended up mm-hmm. during pandemic year, we, we bought a business in the sports recruiting space, which was not probably something people would think would make sense when sports was off 90%. We mm-hmm. bought an entertainment recruiting business and both those businesses have flourished. This year. And we were able to acquire them at, at really a good time for us. So I think being ready and then saying, hey, I have a game plan. What happens in a downturn? Ours was play offense, hire, don't lay off and be aggressive. But we had capital to do that. And that was part of why I raised private equity capital in this business was it's, it, it, any business is easy during a good time, mm-hmm. but what happens in a downturn? And you know, you've had human capital businesses, business drops 30, 40%. You have a bunch of employees. It's yeah. pain though. I think that second tip is just, you know, have a war chest or have capital knowing it's not always going to be a good time, whatever way you do that. Yes, absolutely. I certainly appreciate you sharing your leadership experience. And I know if people want to know more about your company, they can go to zrgpartners.com. I'll put that in the description. But I really want to acknowledge you for the way you continue to focus on data. I think you have that that missing link that a lot of staffing firms struggle with. And you keep looking at data. And I'm a board member at a company called ThinkX, which is also data-driven. And I think the more companies that do that, the more everybody will be helped. But it's that combination, as you know, because some of it, like you said, there's so many pieces to it. And it sounds right. like you have figured out that formula. Yeah, thank you. And it's been a good time to be helping clients because there's, as you know, with the great resign, there's so many factors that's causing a lot of leadership turnover globally. And so we're busy and everybody in the human capital space is busy. And I think it's going to be that way for a while. If you look at all the factors that are happening and more you know, CEOs are in their jobs, less time. Time. The young generation switches jobs more often. There's a lot more churn. There's this great resign of people just re- reevaluating what they want to do. And so we're bringing a lot of value to help clients think about how to retain and land the best people. But we're all going to be, I know in your work and our work, we'll, we'll see that for a while, I think. Yeah. Well, I'm glad the, the title of your company includes partners because I think you do partner up with a lot of companies. And thank you for partnering up with me in this podcast and contributing to other leaders. Thank you. It's a pleasure and I appreciate the opportunity. Opportunity.